This morning we're going to continue our journey here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in a study that I've entitled The New You. As I was studying this morning, I'm like, man, this is just what we need to hear right now because it's, I don't know about you, as I'm looking at the world, I'm going, man, I need a new me. Uh, we need a new world. And the good news is, it's coming. So this morning we're going to pick up in verse 23 and prayerfully get to verse 50, and then uh, next week we'll tackle the beautiful passage that gives us the rapture of the church. But this morning, the new you, the sinless one, the glorious one, the non-falling apart one, the one that won't need an HMO, a PPO, or Obamacare. You're not going to need it. Not going to be taxed. He isn't going to have any issues. Gravity will not affect it. Okay, so let's ask the Lord to speak to us through His Word. Father, this morning as we spend some time now in Your Word, just worshiping You as we study, we pray that You'd convince and convince of the truth of the resurrection. Lord, this is not the end. These bodies that we now inhabit are not all there is. Lord, it's not uh, this life that we look forward to. It's the life after this one that is eternal, uh, that we have our hope and our trust in. And you, Jesus, being the first fruits uh, of that new life, we look forward to that day uh, when the dead in Christ are raised and we have those glorified bodies suited for a heavenly kingdom and that we're walking in the fullness of you. And we bless you, we praise you, we thank you for this time this morning. We pray that you'd speak to us through your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 23, and Paul is really contrasting now two very different pictures. And if you remember in in verses 20 to 23, which we'll not read those for sake of time, There's this contrast between Adam and Christ, and they are about as different as two people can get. Amen? Uh, In Adam, all have sinned. In Adam, all die. In Christ, all can be freed from sin and all live. So they are polar opposites. They are exactly the opposite of each other. And notice he now goes on, and he's making this defense of the resurrection, which... To you, you ought to be really excited about this. Because Jesus is raised, so you one day will be raised. And this world is not your home. It's not the end. This is not as good as it gets. It is not what you get here and now. It is what the hereafter contains that we look forward to. Amen? So if your Christmas tree was a little bare, if you had the Charlie Brown one, if it was, you know, a tough time... As the body of Christ, we are looking forward to a life after this one. As good as this is, as as wonderful as it can be at times, uh, I'm looking forward to another body. I'm looking forward to another life that is filled with the glory of God and not filled with the difficulties and the struggles and the strains of this life. And so he says, but to each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, and afterwards those who are Christ at his coming. And so he begins now to, to take this to the personal level because we need to see the resurrection of, of Christ for what it is. Because of his resurrection, 
we ourselves are one day going to walk in that same newness of life that he had after he was resurrected. A lot of Christians don't really believe that. At least they don't appear to walk in it. A lot of Christians follow after the world exactly the way the world follows after it. They're looking forward to the here and the now. And they're mostly concerned with what they can get out of this life. And again, there's nothing wrong with the things that are in this life inherently. But we ought not be worshiping them, and we certainly ought not be hoping in them. Amen? Because if you're hoping in a new job, if you're hoping in some new skill set, if you're hoping in your next vacation, if you're simply hoping in what you can get out of this life, then you are going to be sorely disappointed. Because you'll never get out of it what you put into it. And that's why we don't put into this life, we put into the next life. We focus on those things of the Spirit. And so that harvest that will happen when the Lord comes back uh, will be that beautiful harvest. It'll be death raised unto eternal life. Verse 24, he now goes on, and then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father. You, You see, the Lord is at work in the world today. But Satan is also at work in the world today. And at times it looks like Satan's winning. Amen? When we look around the world today, if if you can take a look at this world and say, man, everything's just fine. Um, You need some help. You need to go see a psychiatrist or a psychologist if you think the world is actually getting better. Is it getting more technologically advanced? Yes. Can we travel faster? Yes. Do we have more stuff than ever? Yes. But we are also very much more adept at killing people than ever. We are absolutely more disease-ridden than ever. We have more psychological problems than ever. More people live in poverty than ever. More people die daily from disease than ever. That's the actual truth. But those who don't know the Lord look at this world, no, well, it's just getting better. It's not getting better. It's actually getting worse. Good news is, for those of us who love the Lord, this world is not the end. This isn't the one I'm looking forward to, though I very much enjoy life. I, I like looking down from my house onto the 330 and watching the people go by with their chains slapping the side of their car. And you can hear it in my bedroom. You know, that sound that we know who live here, you know, it's just like, well, he's going to need a paint job. You know, there are times when I giggle, I have fun, I enjoy life, to be sure. But you know what? There's a lot of difficult things. <laughs> uh, apparently, if something doesn't happen in the next 24 hours, we're all going to owe about $3,000 more in income tax in about one day. Because our Congress is sitting around just doing nothing, arguing with each other. And I certainly am not going to take the, you know, the side of either party at this point in time. They're both knuckleheads. Not fun. I don't know about you. I don't like writing checks to the government for $3,000 more than I've already given them. It's not a good thing. You see, that's why we need to believe and hope and rest and trust that this life we're just passing through. And there's one that's coming that's going to be so much more infinitely better than this one that you're going to be blown away when you get there. And so one day, the Lord Jesus is going to deliver this kingdom To God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power, 
Amen. You know what? I hate the UN. I do. I hate the UN. I think they are the most useless group of people that are on the earth right now politically. It's like all they do is make the world more complex. One day, no UN. No EU. No US of A. No POTUS. No SCOTUS. There's going to be nobody ruling and reigning but Jesus. Amen? And all this bickering and whining and complaining and grumbling and groaning that goes on and all these factions that are divided against one another will have to you know, learn to get along because Jesus is going to make it so. He's going to put an end to all rule and all authority and all power for he must reign until he puts all enemies under his feet. Amen. That's the state that the world one day will come to. But we're not quite there yet. And that's why the hope of the resurrection is so important to us. You see, at the resurrection of the dead, Satan's power is over, period, end, done. Right now, his power is still quite evident in the world, isn't it? He's not dead. He's not gone. He still has infinite amounts of power, it seems. Though they are limited by the Lord himself, he is still extremely powerful and working very effectively in our world. We, we see that all over the globe. Me sharing some of those things on Wednesday night as we look back in review at 2012. The enemy is alive and well. But not for long and not forever. And that's the picture your Bible gives you. The word must that's translated here uh, from the Greek language means will definitely, without a doubt, happen. Amen. The Lord Jesus must reign. It's what he, was, what he came to this earth to do to provide for us. He, he will rule. He will reign. There will be righteousness. There won't be unrighteousness when he comes back to reign. He's going to take care of that final problem of sin. And that's why verse 26 says what it says. For the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Right now, that specter hangs over all of us. Amen? You're going to die. hate to tell you this. If you came in here and you believe what Ray Kurzweil is saying, uh, you think that we're all part of the great singularity. And we're just going to somehow figure out how to live forever. You know, Ponce de Leon had it right. He was out there looking for the fountain of youth. And one day if we find it, we can all drink from it. And we'll just live forever. Ain't going to happen. You're going to croak. You're, one day you're going to drop over dead as a doornail. And not too long after that, you're going to start to not smell very good. And not too long after that, unless they do something with your body, you're going to start to turn really funky looking. Death hangs over all of us, amen? You're going to die. You, you, you can't thwart that until Jesus comes back to rule and reign, and then there's no more death either. Hallelujah. You see, right now, we're just all of us on a slow journey to death. Isn't that a weird thought? But it's actually true. We're kind of on this slow journey to death. Some of us are a little further along than others. Some of us look like we're really further along than others. You know, you just look at your body and you're going, oh, man, I get up in the morning. You know, I'd like to say for my age, I'm in pretty good shape. But, you know, I, I have to put my shoes up on the cedar chest to tie my shoes now. Because if I bend over, I fall over. It's not good. You know, it's just like, it's like, wow, that is a long ways down there. 
you're all going to die. I'm going to die. Unless the Lord comes first, one day this earthly tent is going to perish. And you are going to get a new you. Hallelujah. Man, I'm looking forward to that day. Because the, the you I have now, uh, it's, it's, it's got like some nylon mesh in it and just weird parts. And it's just not... Uh, it was designed to last 70, 80 years and that's it. And then after that, poof, you're done. Worm food. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Why? Verse 27, for he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it's evident that he who puts all things under him is accepted. In other words, Jesus will have final rule, reign, and authority over the earth, and he's going to go, here, Dad, it's all been yours all along. This is the way you actually wanted it. This is what God designed from the very beginning. The Lord never wanted sin. The Lord never wanted death. He had no desire, no design for us to go through those things. That's why when people ask you, why is there sin in the world? Why is there death in the world? That's mankind's doing. That's not God's doing. That wasn't God's intent. He's allowed those things to exist for a period of time. But make no mistake, he's coming back. And when he does, he's finishing off death and sin forever. Because that was what he originally had in view. Verse 28, Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will be subject to him who put all things under him, so that God may be in all. Right now, God's not in all. God's in some. God's in many. God's in those who believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there is a vast majority of the world's population about whom this cannot be said to be true. And that is the source of the contention. That's the source of death. That's the source of sin. It's, it's that essence, if you will, of that carnal nature, that old man that exists. But one day, because of the resurrection of Christ... We're all going to see death go bye-bye. Amen. One day you're going to wake up and you're not going to have to worry about getting some funky disease. There's not going to be any cancer. You're, you're not going to have diabetes. You're, you're not going to be at risk for getting the AIDS virus. You're not going to have anything come upon you that could possibly harm, hurt, or destroy because there's going to be a new you. You're going to have that eternal body that's suited for the eternal state that we'll be living in. God sent His Son. The Son's going to finish the work. And in essence, the Son's then going to turn the work right back over to God the Father and say, here it is. What an amazing picture of God's plan. You see, God allows war, but God hates war. God has allowed death, but God hates death. He's one day going to kill death. Isn't that awesome? God's going to kill death. Death's going to die because God says so. Right now, it's not, it's not the case. Right now, people fear death. Right now, people walk around going, oh, I, I, I wish I didn't have this sickness or that sickness. I spent a lot of time in the last couple of weeks talking to people who are not doing well. And I can tell you, people are afraid. 
I don't know what's coming. If they don't know the Lord, their hope is in this life. Uh, I saw some family at, at Christmas, and I'm just like, oh, the lack of hope. Because the hope is all in this. You ever you ever listen to people who don't know the Lord expound upon what they think they've gotten out of life? It's very sad. Because it's so minuscule compared to the world that we live in uh, as Christians. You see, because I'm looking forward to the glories of heaven. They're looking forward to the meager scratchings of the things they've gotten out of this earth. And that's not much, even for the best of us. He goes on to use this strange, kind of interesting phrase. And he says, otherwise, what will they do who are baptized for the dead if the dead do not rise at all? You see, it's believed that the Corinthian church picked up on a a Greek tradition, in essence, of washing and baptizing dead bodies. And it was kind of like, we'll pray over them. It's kind of, and I I don't mean to pick on anybody here, but it was rather like a last rites kind of thing. It's like, here it is, he's pretty dead, we want to make sure he goes into the afterlife, okay, so we'll baptize him, we'll dunk him, then we'll bury him. Because we want to get all our bases covered. We want to make sure... Don't know, so we'll go ahead and baptize you. And so what Paul's saying is, if you don't believe in the resurrection, what are you doing that for? That doesn't make any sense. Why would you baptize somebody for the dead if you don't believe there's something after that death? There is something after death. There's exactly two locations. There's two destinations, if you will. There are two lives that you can choose. You can choose life or you can choose eternal death. That's the choice. He says, why then are they baptized for the dead? He's basically emphasizing the fact, guys, if you don't believe in the resurrection, what you're doing doesn't make a bit of sense. So obviously you do believe in the resurrection. You do believe in the afterlife. Even you who are marginally saved and doing these kind of crazy things, you must believe in the afterlife, otherwise you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. And so in essence, he's getting them to think. Okay, well, what does that afterlife look like? Where am I going to spend it? What am I going to be doing? How am I going to be functioning? He goes on in verse 33, says, Do not be deceived, for evil company corrupts good habits. You see, their problem was similar to ours at times. It's amazing how many Christians can go to church, be taught the truth, and then associate with people who do not love the Lord, do not know the Lord, do not care anything about the Lord, and ultimately those habits that they pick up come from the world and not the Lord. And all of a sudden, they're wandering around going, well, you know, maybe this life is all there is. And I won't ask for a show of hands, but I know very few Christians who at times have not thought that. I know pastors who have confessed to me, man, I'm just, I, I hope I'm right. Dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, because Christ is raised, you shall also be raised Everyone will be raised. The question is, where are you going to be raised to, and what are you going to be raised to do? You see, there is a life after this one. And 
we need to be prepared for that one. But don't be deceived. If you hang around with people that don't know the Lord, don't love the Lord, don't care a thing about the Lord, eventually you're going to be sucked in to the world's way of thinking. And all of a sudden you're going to be going, well, man, I, you know, I think I'm going to get out of the ministry and I'm just going to do this or I'm going to do that. I, I, th- I don't know why, I even though why I go to church, you know, it's like it all ends up working out in the end. Those are all worldly thoughts. And he says in verse 34, Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some have not the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. He's saying, guys, just because everybody believes something vociferously doesn't make it true. Just because someone says, yeah, you know, oh, I heard this, I read that book. It is amazing to me how many Christians pick up the writings of non-Christians and begin to mull them over and go, oh, wow, maybe he's right. After all, he's got four PhDs, a KFC, a 123, and a BVD. And so he must be really smart. And I'm, you know, if he believes it, I mean, surely there's got to be some credence to that. Family of God, it says, awake to righteousness. Not to sin, to righteousness, to the truth of who you are in Christ. And the truth of who you are in Christ is the new you is the one that's coming later. It's not some set of values that you need to learn. It's not some set of behaviors you need to undertake. It is becoming who you actually are in Christ that matters. He's, in essence, saying to them, it's really, literally, this translates, awake out of your drunken stupor. He says, don't be stoned out of your mind by the things of the world. Don't be caught up in the world so much that you are drunken like they are with their things. And again, I won't ask for a show of hands, but most of us understand. You've maybe been around someone who's been inebriated. Perhaps you yourself were such, and you talk to someone who's in that state, and they think everything's fine, don't they? Oh, I'm doing great. You know, they just wander off, and their face hits the wall. It's like, oh, I didn't see that coming. That's because they're in a drunken stupor. They are so deceived by the things of the world that if the truth bit them, they wouldn't understand it. Be careful, because there is a competing value system that right now is trying to get a hold of your mind and your heart. And it's Satan's. It's the world's. He's going, oh, this whole church thing, this whole Christian thing, it's not actually true. When you die, you're going to be worm food. When you die, you're just going to be dead like everybody else, and there is no life after this one. So you better grab all that you can right now. I can't tell you how many Christians have bought that lie. It's like, oh, yeah, you know. Boy, I better, you know, I better get me a new wife. I better get me a new husband. I mean, I need to start partying hardy because, you know, I'm missing out. You have a new body coming. And I want to remind you, they're not rebuilt, old, useless ones like you have right now. They're completely new. Fit for heaven. Not just kind of rehashed. Because, see, I don't want this one back. I'm just telling you. I'd like to have that new one. 
It's what my Bible says. I'm looking forward to it. And those bodies are, are not going to be bound by the laws of physics and science and biology. They're going to be new bodies. And he says in verse 35, but someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? This is one of those crazy, insane questions that the world still asks to this day. Well, what will we look like? What will we do? Let me give you a clue. We don't know. We're not told. I'm not sure. But I know this. We're told what we're not going to be, and we're told what we're generally going to be like. We're just not told specifically. So people are always, well, I think we're going to look like this, and we're going to be like this, and we're going to be like that, and we're going to be able to do this, and we're going to be able to do that. Your Bible doesn't say so. But it does tell us some things. How will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? Notice what he says. What a foolish question. The New Living Translation actually was originally going to say, that is an idiotic question. It's crazy. You know why? Because we don't understand the things of God. So whatever it would be, we don't actually have the capacity to understand it fully yet. It's going to be one of those things that we're going to know when we get there. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. Now hear me well. If you read Genesis chapter 1, it's absolutely spot-on correct with biology, and specifically with botany, because the plant has to come first. You cannot get the seed without the plant first. Your Bible says that God created plants first, then seeds. That's exactly what happens. What he's now saying is, uses this as a way of an analogy, says when you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. That's absolutely correct. You can prove this. Go grab a seed of anything that's still green, put it in the ground. It will do zip, not a nothing. It has to dry out. It has to become dead before it becomes a new plant. If it doesn't die, it won't grow, period. It kind of gives us a little preview of resurrection. It's like it's got to die first in order for it to be resurrected. And what you put into the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a little dry seed of wheat or whatever you're planting. Isn't it weird? Have you ever looked at seeds and gone, how in the world does that happen? You know, you take a, you take a seed, take an apple seed. Apple seeds are kind of benign looking, aren't they? You know, you take an apple seed, and until it dies, until you take it out of the pit, until you let it dry, and you plant it in the ground, and then all of a sudden this, this tree begins to grow. And that tree has blossoms, it flowers, it produces fruit, it has bark, it's got all kinds of things. The seed, you look at the seed and go, there's no way in the world that thing's producing a tree. Not going to happen. We look at it, we go, I bury that in the ground, I'm going to get a big seed. I remember thinking, because we've probably all done the, everybody done the avocado seed thing, where you take and put the toothpicks in it, put it in a jar, and pretty soon you have this bush. You notice something? It doesn't actually turn into an avocado tree. It's because it's still a seed. It needs to dry out. You get an avocado tree by taking a graft off of a, off that plant and then planting the, gra- the, the graft. But it, 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 as you look at this process, what the Lord's saying is, hey, I've got a few things up my sleeve that you don't quite understand. I don't get it. I'm taking the dead seed. I'm putting it in the ground. Somehow out of that I get petunias. How about us here in the mountains? You ever looked at a daffodil bulb and go, wow, that's beautiful. It's really awesome. It kind of looks like a dead mutant onion, doesn't it? 
And you plant it in the ground, and then in the springtime, here comes these beautiful flowers of all kinds of different configurations. You ever noticed how all the bulbs look the same? And yet they don't produce the same kind of flower? Different colors, different shapes, different sizes, different heights, and yet every one of them has to be dead before you plant them in the ground, otherwise they will not produce that beautiful flower. The same is true here. Dry, shriveled seed. That's what we're going to be one day when we die. A dried, shriveled seed. That's why when people come and, and you know, if, if the Lord's told you you want to be buried, be buried. If the Lord's told you you want to be cremated, be cremated. If the Lord has you get blown apart and vaporized by a bomb, he's still capable of making a new you. Do you understand that? Because if you've ever been in a situation where you, you've seen someone who's been in the ground for a long time, it's... Not good. It's not good. And so if God can't reassemble the person who's been buried, and, and maybe they've been, they spent the big bucks and they got the super embalming, okay? And they really look good in that casket. They're still dead. And you really are not going to get them to come back looking very nice no matter what you do. If you ever look at a picture of linen, you know, they keep him in his tomb, and every year or so they take and redress him up and kind of put some new makeup. His makeup's like an inch and a half thick now. It's not good. He's gone. He's not there. God's going to have to refabricate every last person who's ever died. Amen? Whether he has to do a little bit of that because you got some good embalming, or a whole lot of that because you got vaporized, he's still able. Amen? And if he's looking to use the old parts, we're all in trouble. But God gives it a body he's chosen. To each kind of seed, its own body. Not all flesh is alike, but there's one flesh that's human, and there's another flesh of animals, and another for birds, and another for fish. He's just pointing us towards biology. He's saying, guys, you ever noticed how when you plant daffodils you don't get trout? Not too hard. So you got to have a seed for the right kind of being. And if you want an eternal being, you need to have a new kind of seed. It's what Jesus had, by the way. He had an eternal seed. And it produced a new type of being who was the first of his type. And when he was raised, he left this earth with a body unlike any other. One day, you're going to get one just like it, though different. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind. Splendor of the earthly bodies is another. When you look up in the night sky, you're seeing stars. You're seeing galaxies. You're seeing planets. Every once in a while, we get to see a comet. We see meteors. We see all kinds of stuff. And each one of them is completely different, though at times you look at them, man, those all look the same. Until we started developing the... Telescopes that we currently have, like the Keck set that's there in Mauna Kea in Hawaii, we didn't have any idea. Now we can look out into the far reaches of space, and we see things like the Tower Nebula. It's 15 trillion miles high. It's got over 100,000 galaxies in it and around it. We didn't know that. There's all kinds of things that we look at and we can't explain it. But they're there. That's because God is good. 
We're going to have bodies that are created just like that. They're going to be different than what we have here. And so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. In other words, your earthly tent, the body that you currently have, is one type of body. It was made for here. It was made for a time. It wasn't made for eternity. And you're going to get a new you. It will be raised imperishable. You see, when the resurrection happens... It's not just going to be the old you come back to life. It's not going to be like a zombie movie, okay? That would just be weird, wouldn't it? All of a sudden, you know, out of the ground, there is kind of grave clothes hanging on them, kind of the Lazarus thing. That would be pretty strange if the Lord decided to do that. And he says that's not what's going to happen. You have a perishable body now. You're going to get an imperishable one later. It's sown in dishonor. It's going to be raised in glory. You see, our bodies have all kinds of funky things that they do. You know, we sweat, we perspire, we do all kinds of stuff that we aren't going to need later. You're not going to have that in heaven. Nobody's going to have to go down to the supermarket and get their, you know, their ban-free deodorant kind of thing. We aren't going to have any of those issues anymore. Sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. Sown in weakness. Raised in power. It's sown as a natural body. It's going to be raised as a spiritual body. So it's going to be a completely different kind of body. You're still going to be known. People are going to go, oh, I know who that's, Julie. I know who that is. That's Guy. We're going to somehow know all that. But it's not going to be you with your skin tags and your little melanoma scars and, you know, the things that we just look at and go, oh, that's awful. My sister-in-law comes. She's going to be here second service. I'm going to mock her openly in that service, but I'll mock her now. She actually made a toupee for me out of cat hair. How disrespectful is that? But you know what? I looked better, actually. With it. Oh, it's kind of grayish looking. I looked regal. Ah, we're, we're not going to need this stuff. There's a natural body. There's also going to be a spiritual body. I'm going to have flowing locks again. I think. I don't know. Maybe not, Maybe we're all going to be bald. Have you ever thought about that? I don't know. There's four things here quickly. Physical bodies are perishable. These have an expiration date on them. You haven't seen it. You've got a barcode. It's on the bottom of your foot. It says it's going to expire. For it is appointed unto man one time to die and in judgment. You got an expiration date. You're going to burn out. You're going to wear out. There's going to be a time when you just <laughs> gone. They're sown in dishonor, but raised in glory. There, there's nothing when you look at the human body. Do you realize how much money we we spend billions of dollars dressing up these tents, don't we? It's nuts. Go into Macy's and you walk there into the the skincare section. And you, you the, the creams that cost two hundred bucks for one and a half ounces. You put this stuff on; it's supposed to somehow take the wrinkles away. I put it on, and, and it doesn't do anything. You, you you got the little age spot remover pins, and you know you go get Botox. Who wants to inject themselves with the botulism virus? That's just dumb. You know, we go have all these medical procedures, and you have a you know a tummy tuck and a chin lift and a Whatever, and pretty soon you're, you know, you're 
terror. It doesn't have a place to be because it's all scar tissue. They don't last very long. Guys, you know this. You see, in our minds, we still think we're powerful. Amen? As we age, we have this, I can do that. And you go over and you grab hold of that thing and you go to pick it up. And all of a sudden you realize that your spine is gone. (laughs) There's no power left. It's just over. That's these mortal bodies. And then there's the issue of natural versus spiritual. I can't wait for that part. I don't know what that is. I don't know whether we're going to be able to float or fly or go through walls. I don't know. I know this. Mine is going to be incredibly good at trout fishing. So that's just the way it goes. We don't know. But I know this. The seed that I've been sown in now, it's going to be a different seed later. It's going to produce a different body later. And that body is going to be significantly different than the one I currently occupy. This earthly tent. And I am looking forward to that. For Scripture tells us, verse 45, the first man, Adam, became a life a living person, but the last Adam, that is Christ. In other words, the last man that that stepped into human history and into time, and he says, you know what, I'm of you, but I'm different. We're going to be like him. He is the life-giving spirit. He, He brings us that eternal life. And so what he's really saying is that for all of us, the spiritual didn't come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. He says, and every human being has an earthly body just like Adam's, but our heavenly bodies will be just like Christ. Hallelujah. I can't wait. I like the one I have. It's been pretty good to me thus far. But I know this. It's wearing out. It's wearing down. I I never thought I'd reach that place in life where it's just like, you know, your feet hurt and your knees hurt and your eyeballs don't work as well and... Your head gets cold because there's no hair up there. It's just like you it's like, man, it's wearing out. Praise God, I'm gonna have one like Jesus' one day. Just as we are now like Adam, the man of the earth, someday we will be like Christ, the man from heaven. Amen? For what I'm saying, dear brothers, is that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. There's that second destination, amen? You you see, you you, you got two. You got two choices, heaven or hell. Personally, I think we should probably choose heaven. That's not too difficult of a choice, but some people want to go the other place. You can't inherit the kingdom of God walking around the tent you currently got because it's actually not good enough. you got to have one suited for heaven. And praise the Lord because Jesus is raised. These perishable bodies of ours are not able to live forever, but you're going to get a new one. And that new one is going to be able to live forever. All the disabilities, the things that have plagued you and troubled you are going to be gone, and you're going to be walking in that newness of life. I personally can't wait. I'm like, bring it on. Jesus, come get us. Amen? The new you's coming. The way the world's going might be really soon. I pray that you're ready for it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. And Lord, I want to pray if there's someone here this morning that's never traded in the earthly tent. Lord, they're they're clinging to the hope 
that somehow this world's going to get better and maybe we'll be able to eke out of it some type of wonderful existence. God, I pray that they would realize that because you, Jesus, came and died for us, that we can have eternal life. And if we believe in you, uh, even if we die, we're, we're going to live eternally. And so, Lord, I pray that salvation would be found in you for any who ask this morning. We pray that you'd bless us. For those of us who know you and love you, God, we're looking forward to that new body or that new us. It doesn't have the physical issues. It doesn't have the mental issues that one day uh, we won't ever look to that time when we might take our last breath. We'll be living in eternity in the kingdom age with you. And so, God, we bless you for that promise. We thank you for the gift that it is to us. And we pray that you'd bless us as your church. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.